This is Manifest Mindset, where we delve into our true passions, inspire the best out of ourselves, and live our life with true intention every single day. All right, welcome back to another episode of Manifest Mindset. We're here with Nick and Bob. Nick, happy Thanksgiving. Well, last week, but happy Thanksgiving still. How are you doing? Well, Thanksgiving to you too, man. Um, you know, we got a heck of a lot to be thankful for, um, even amidst this crazy whirlwind of a year that's almost over. Uh, life yep. is good, my friend. Life is good. Life is good. Uh, yeah, definitely a whirlwind of a year, almost over. Hopefully 2021 will be a better year uh, for for everybody, but especially for us, I guess. Um, so, so, Nick, I, I'm curious. Uh, you had your – I think you had a practical for uh, your, your manual therapy certification. Um, and then – is the actual certification coming up soon? I think it's next week, two weeks from now. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. It's uh, next week, next Saturday. It's the actual one. I had my practice one a couple of weeks back, a uh, few we- other week before Thanksgiving. Um, it went well, man. So definitely got some good feedback. It was well worth doing it, um, both as a confidence booster for just getting the procedures down, getting the flow of it. But then also, like I said, just getting that feedback. I'm okay, here's what I got to do next time. Yeah. So, um, if I recall, like back when you signed up, you're like kind of afraid, like, <laughs> am I signing up? Cause, uh, and like, there's so much on my plate. I don't know if I can do this. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know if, if afraid was the right word. Maybe, uh, there, there, there was a high level of nervousness. <laughs> okay. Right. Yeah. But, but how are you feeling now? Like a week before, I guess the actual, like, uh, practical portion of the exam, um, and and remind me one more time, you have to take many courses to actually be eligible for this exam. Is that correct? Correct. Correct, yes. So, um, so I'm I'm feeling pretty this way, Bob. Um as I think of my career, my spectrum, on um, my journey as a physical therapist. I am nowhere where near where I wanna be. I know that there are constant things I'm working on, constant things to get better at. So in that aspect where I'm kinda of being evaluated for my work thus far it's like oh my goodness i have a lot of room to still grow into a lot of room to get better as far as for kind of passing the requirements of passing this practical and going after it um it still is a little bit daunting just because there is um there's a lot of requirements and i i don't mean that in a bad way i just mean that's awesome to kind of rise to those standards um but i do feel ready i do feel prepared for that i feel like a week from now I'll be even more ready and more prepared based on the work I'm doing. So I think I'll be I'll be good. Um but just you know, there's a long way to go in this journey. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Now let, let me ask you, Nick. Um obviously we're we're new grads, you're you're a year and a half out. I'm uh a few weeks out. Um and you mentioned that there's more room for you to grow. Nick, what do you feel like is the biggest I guess, area for improvement in terms of PT for you. Did, did you ever think about this? Um, well, I yourself? think about this all the time. Absolutely. Um, let me let me see how, how I can uh, explain this well. <laughs> and, of course, there's, like, I'm sure in every area there's room to grow because, of course, yeah. we're so fresh. Uh, now, I'm, I'm going to give my perspective in terms of what I can, what I think everybody in physical therapy can benefit from and what I think are aspects that aren't just about individual patients or patient archetypes or types or diagnoses, but something that transcends the entire practice. Okay. 
Right, so I think for I think for me, what I need to do better and more consistently actually lies in getting patient buying and patient education in almost the simplest way possible. I think sometimes for me, you know, from being involved in teaching and mentoring and um, many other outreach things like this, I think sometimes I tend to get in my mode of like, oh, this person's here because they want to learn. Hell no. This person's here because they want to get better here. Right? They, they, they don't, and sometimes they do care. Right? But I think sometimes, as especially newer clinicians, we're caught almost over explaining sometimes. And I do way less of this than I used to. So I think there's a couple of reasons for over explaining. I think one is a lack of our confidence in exactly what's going on. And that can lead us to talk about, oh, this, maybe that, maybe that and do it out loud for transparency to them. And then we tend to kind of cloud their minds a little bit in their clarity. Oh, and also, I think, in terms of we tend to over-explain, or I, I tend to over-explain a little bit when I feel like they, patients meeting, don't fully get it or don't fully comprehend some of the things I'm saying. So I was... Uh, talking with a friend of mine recently about a, a good analogy that they came up with I can't take credit for. So, Bob, you've been to physical therapy school, or anybody who's been through school, have you seen um, people who give presentations for lecturers? Um, yep. And all these, like, different PowerPoint slides and everything, right? Yep. And there are some PowerPoint slides where it's like, hey, this is good, this is clear, this is crisp, I get the point. And there's some like, oh, my goodness, there are pictures and words all over the place and what the heck is going on. Now, I'm not going to pick on any one profession here over over this as far as, like, hey, crazy, it's organized. But you can imagine those slides where it's like, um, I'm supposed to get what out of this? Yeah. I mean, you have a presentation like, uh, let's say, Chuck Patel, right, where his PowerPoints are like, oh, dude, okay. Like, here's the actual thing that we're learning, and here's what we're learning about. Yep. I think the mistake okay. I've, I've made in the past is I kind of explain things to patients, you know, tie it back to their personal life, tie it back to the exam. So I mean, it's a little bit too wordy, a little bit too going after things. And I give them like five slides of a poorly organized PowerPoint where they're like, oh, oh they're kind of guessing of what to go after. Yeah. Then I make the mistake, Bob, and they give me like a reaction where like they kind of get it, but not really when I ask them. Like, they're not where we want to be. So instead of me changing my approach, I've made the mistake in my past saying, okay, okay, those, those five slides that I gave you, do you understand that? Let me give you like three more also really poorly organized slides and see if that sticks somehow, magically. Huh. So it's so like... I think that's the area of practice I'm trying to get better at for myself is just providing the clarity that people are looking for. Yeah, like just giving them the right amount to not over-confuse, but also not under-educate. Right, uh, absolutely. And I think something that told me is that, you know, you know, because I'm like, well, but aren't there some patients who want more? And absolutely there are. And you've got to keep your education level into account. But honestly, what I found from my own experimenting, 90% of the time when people want more, they're going to ask follow-up questions. So the people that actually want more, they're going to let you know. Ah. Interesting. So, so is that how, how, I guess, your guiding light for you, Nick, when, when you're thinking about this or ways to improve? Like, um, if they don't ask more, you just stop 
but if they do ask more, that's when you know you got to give them more slides. I stop. Or, I, I, I stop and I attempt to confirm their understanding. But sometimes okay. it's like it's kind of joking around. I'm like, hey, you know, hey, hey, what, what, what did I say? What did I say? What's, what's going on? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know. I'm like, okay, see, what did I say? They're like, um, well, this. I'm like, all right, let's revisit this. And, you know, do, do it in a friendly way, but it's like they've got to understand. Uh, well, Bob, actually, the other day, you know, we had a conversation about kind of not showing up again or no showing. Yep. Or, um, you know, to me and be patient compliance on, you know, visit two coming in, how they do. And, we, you know, I've talked about in the past, I've had moments, especially when I was, you know, a few months into my career, where it's like, I, had, I did a killer job, right? I nailed the eval, had like, you know, perfect subjective. I'm not sure that's too perfect, but pretty damn good subjective, really good objective, got all the testing measures done I wanted, got good treatment out of it. And I was like, okay, we're kind of sort of done with time. And what happened was the education component for them was kind of poor. So in the exam, it's like, hey, I did this, did this. They did this exercise. You made them walk better. They felt amazing with it. And then they come back day two, and it's like, well, how things go? Well, I did them a couple times, but it didn't really make a difference. And by the way, I'm still in pain and stuff. And it's like, all right, that, in the past, I used to think, oh, that's on them. But really, that's on me. I didn't connect the dots well enough for them that, hey, this thing that we did in clinic, and you have, and you felt better after. Sometimes that's even that's a very clear connection for us, but for them it might just seem consequential, or they might not draw that connection automatically necessarily. Huh. Okay, I like that. Thank, thank you for reflecting with me. Like that. That's uh, it's interesting just just to hear from from your uh, experiences, and obviously again you're you're a year ahead of me, uh, and I'm I'm learning from you as as you're making like I I guess mistakes or, or lessons learning lessons along the way. So it's nice to take some cherry pick along the the line with you, Nick. So I appreciate that. Absolutely. Um, and you know it's um as I keep going for this, you know this is going to be one area I'm focusing on now. Somebody else with a different biases might hear this and say, you know they maybe took the pendulum swing in the completely other direction where they just didn't do a great job of educating to begin with, or they didn't understand the details going on, and so they kept it too simple. Um, so I think it goes back to kind of the Einstein theorem of, you know, keep things as simple as possible, but not simpler than what they actually are. Yeah. Um, that's something that I also noticed myself uh, when I'm, I think for me, like when I'm asking questions, and then when I'm asking questions like during eval, maybe during a daily visit, uh, thinking to myself, okay, why, why did I ask that question? Like, what was yes. the purpose of me asking that question? Did that add anything to the conversation or add anything to, to the clinical presentation um, or not? And, and then and, having, and like... Even, you know, there are some questions that we'll ask where it's like, okay, that clearly added nothing. And there are some where it's like, hey, that, that added information that at the time I deemed important. But even that kind of important information, let me have my metacognition step deeper. Why do I think it was important? What do I value about that? Um, within the set of values that we have, you know, did I actually need to know that, or did I just kind of want to know that to sort of kind of rule things out that I already thought were ruled out? So I think that, you know, that's more of the great murky area where you go from good to great, where it's like, okay, you know, I, I know what we need to do. We need to get down to business. 
Yeah. Um, th this is also like a side note, Nick. Uh, maybe, maybe like 10 years later when we listen to this episode again, um, we'll, we'll like kind of laugh because we'll be like, oh, 10 years ago, my, my examination was, was so subpar and now it's, it's drastically different than, I, than what it was 10 years ago. Um, do you think that would happen, Nick, or, or do you like, like what, your, what is your stance? When I walked out of clinic yesterday talking to one of my mentors, um, this is his 10th year as a practicing physical therapist uh, this way on the West Coast. He originally came from kind of mid-south. And, you know, he practices me out here for a couple of years. Came out here to learn some sweet nips and everything. And meanwhile, he's part of the pain science faculty for the fellowship. Um, he's part of he's creating his own kind of pain science continuing education series. And so certainly not what he originally destined himself for. So do I think that we could think differently in 10 years? I think it would be a shame if we didn't think differently in 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> Good point, Nick. Good point. Um, I guess moving on. Uh, let's see. Nick, I, I do want to ask you about, I guess, um, I, your, your, your culture of therapists around you. Obviously, again, like you're, you're in a residency and you have mentors to, to bounce ideas off of, uh, every day when you're at Kaiser or when you're at Evolution. Uh, or yep, evolution physical therapy. Um, so w one of the patients that I came in. So I, I'm very, I guess my main, I guess treatment style is, is McKenzie, like we've been talking about uh, these past few episodes. Um, and one of my patients came in with shoulder pain, just very local shoulder pain, very on like the lateral side. The only thing that would provoke his pain was uh, horizontal. Eduction and then functional instrumentation was the only thing that could produce anything, but it's always produced no worse, and it's always in that local area that that wouldn't spread at all. So the first thing I want to do is I wanted to really quickly screen the neck and the thoracic spine, screen that out, roll that out, nothing changed. Um, then I want to look for a shoulder derangement to see like. I'm, I'm just repeated. curious for you, Bob, for your ruling out of the neck and the spine. How far did you? Examine that. Was it active range, overpressure? Was it PA assessment? How far did you go? So the only thing I didn't do, which I, I mean, I think I should have done, uh, now in hindsight, but I don't know if it really would have mattered, but I think it would have been good to, to pull out. But I got them to end range, retraction, retraction, extension with overpressure, and then thoracic overpressure, um, sitting, and PAs. The only thing I didn't do was like lateral mobilizations or lateral overpressure to the side of pain for the shoulder um, from, from the thoracic spine or the neck. But I did reach, I did like did mobs for both the thoracic and the cervical. Um, just to rule that out, just, it took like, I think it took a visit. Maybe I could cut that down maybe to, to half next time, but um, no change. He came back. He was like, okay, no change. Um, did, did that answer your question, Nick? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, that's pretty clean. Um, whereas, you know, you didn't get anything happen if you got things at the shoulder. If from that standpoint, after, um, you know, you're like, hey, I got nothing at the shoulder at all. And I want to have some follow-up. I want to be able to say, hey, let me go back to the next, do this next step. I think that's fine. But I would have moved on as well. Yeah. So um, I did that. I went to the shoulder. I did some repeated movements. I did some um, 
extensions, uh, some horizontal adductions, ad and no change. I sent him home with that. Um, just because I thought, just wanted to see if there was a derangement in the shoulder. My, my Mackenzie sure. Allen. So, so you're, you're using the, uh, the treatment as a diagnostic classification of, okay, hey, nothing changing clinic. I want to use your this visit and the home exercise to see, hey, does it have any changes that go back in that extension budget? Yeah. So I did that, came back, nothing. Um, so, and then in, in the McKenzie paradigm, it's, he looked a very, a lot like a dysfunction, which is basically like a, like a tendonitis kind of thing of like, it's very muscular pain. Um, it's always on and off. There's nothing that really, I guess, makes it worse. And then the worseness doesn't last. So I sent him away with some uh, just regular remodeling exercises for the tissue. And I, what, I what, him, what do you mean by that? So uh, I sent him home with something that would always produce his pain. So I gave him re repeated horizontal a deduction, like with the light resistance band, every four, three, four hours, he would do like 20, um, just so I could remodel the tissue, just so uh, I, I would expect when he comes back, maybe like a 5 or 10% change in the pain duration or the pain when he does that motion. Uh, but, but question for you, Bob, playing devil's advocate, do yeah. we really care if there's a 5 or 10% change? Well, with uh, so with the dysfunction, that's how like you. Uh, that's how I would gauge if it is a dysfunction. But if, if if there wasn't a change, then I know that I'm in the wrong category. So so that's gotcha. what I was gauging for. Um, okay. Because so, playing devil's yeah. advocate, I'd say you know, hey, if you're working on tissue healing time in general, you know, it's, I don't know that just say five percent change is like, is that a road really worth like going down? Do I want to chip away like five percent at a time, day after day after day after? week and month and maybe year um yeah again, no. maybe the answer is yes maybe that is the most pertinent thing for them um but for me when i get like for me in the clinic 20 percent is kind of my edge where it's like unless it's like hey there's still clear impairment you just need to get stronger let's say mobility thing right and like okay sweet fix your mobility mobility is doing great they they're like 25 percent better but then like their mobility is good there's nowhere else to go I know that I can confidently move on from that, or like mobility is close to good, but like it's only 20, 25% better. I better start going down a different road. Yeah, yeah. Well, basically, you came back, <laughs> no change in anything, just 0% change. You did an exercise as prescribed. Um, and the day before, I watched, I watched a module on shoulder derangements, and they were talking about different, different repeated movements. Um, for the shoulder. I was like, why not? He didn't change anything. Might as well give it a go. So I did some like combined movements, so different repeated movements for the shoulder. And all of a sudden, his, his normal pain that's been 5 out of 10 this, this entire time um, shifted down to a 2 out of 10 for, for all. What, what, what was the combined motion you did? It was um, horizontal extension against the wall. Okay. So uh, the, the shoulders up to 90 degrees, and they're horizontally yeah. doing that against the wall. Um, uh, then, Bob, remind me, where exactly is the pain location for him? So it is the lateral shoulder. Okay, lateral, gotcha. like, like right on, yeah, like the rat, like very local, like the very, like, if you think like of a, a walnut size, <laughs> the lateral shoulder. Um, gotcha. 
is, is this a walnut after it's been shelled or pre-shelled? I I think after it's been shelled. Okay, I really didn't carry the way, but just curious. Thanks, Bob. <laughs> it's it's pretty pretty small, pretty local, um, and he would only get it whenever he, he would like move into horizontal a deduction and play tennis. Um, those are exactly. the only times we would get it. Um, so we did it, and that was yesterday or two days ago. And I was like, oh my god, this is the coolest thing ever. And I just wanted to like talk to my coworkers about it, but yeah. n- none of them seem interested. <laughs> so, <laughs> So, so I, I guess to my point, uh, Nick, since you're like in a residency with, with all these people that, that have the same like common paradigm of, of thinking with you, um, do you find like it's so much more helpful that you can bounce ideas off and like share these experiences? Or I mean, the 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 answer is pretty pretty clear from what we've been talking. But I just want yeah. to hear your stance. Absolutely, and I think it's different for the different clinics. Um, for Kaiser with the residency, absolutely, where I feel like I have a lot of mentors there and a lot of peers as well, where it's like, hey, we're chasing after this, we're doing well, we're all participating in these programs, we've been these programs, we're mentoring these programs. Um, so, yeah, and it's like even like the little in-between times, like, hey, I'm between patients, I have this three-minute overlap, hey, let me tell you about this case real fast. Um, and, you know, it might not always be problem solving, but it's like, hey, there's this thing I was working on with you like two weeks ago, hey, I applied that really well to this patient here. And just these kind of quick little check-ins that make it, so much more than about just the individual patients that come in, even though that is our priority. Um, at Evolution here, I don't feel like I necessarily have like, oh, here's like my mentor person that's going to make me better. Um, but rather I have a lot of peers where it's like, okay, I can learn this little bit from you, this little bit from you. Um, there are tiny little things that individual people are good at. And the type of conversations usually center around those more things for those individuals. So with Kaiser, I feel like it's a more kind of complete picture. With evolution here, it's like for the learning, it's like, okay, I know who to divvy up what piece of the pie do. I know who to go for what. And that, too, is extremely valuable. Now, now where would you – this is going to be a very general question um, and, and probably my last question for you. <laughs> but where would you place that on, like, the hierarchy of importance for you in terms of a location you're working at? Ooh, good question for, like, the team culture and caring about getting better and learning more. Yeah, like bouncing ideas off and like sharing your wins, sharing your losses, kinds of things with your Absolutely. coworkers. Um, so I think, you know, it obviously depends on what our goals are, what stage of life we're in, what we're trying to get after. Because um, there are other factors that might be more or less prioritized for you. Um, I think for me, having that kind of team environment, like if you're looking at, hey, do I make a job decision based on, am I going to get like three to four to five thousand dollars more? Or am I going to get some of that? Um, that kind of culture where I can learn and grow from something that's going to make me want to stay with the company more, something that's going to make me feel like I have more of a purpose that I can get better at what I do versus just kind of being there clocking in, clocking out. It depends on the quality of people you're around. If you're around people that you can learn from and do that with, I think it's huge. If you're around people where you're like, you know, you're the smartest person in the clinic, and if you value like teaching others, then that's awesome. But if you're just the smartest person in the clinic and you're like, you're not gaining anything from it, then eh, it doesn't matter as much. Um, but I would place... Um, you know, that over the little bit of monetary value. Huh. Okay. I like that. Thanks for sharing that, Nick. That, that's a, it's a good insight um, that I'll keep in the back of my pocket as well. So, Nick, do you want to touch upon accountability real quick? Uh, Dude, it's just getting ready for this big practical, man. I love it. So, for me, I last two weeks I've been talking about doing like three modules a day. So, I finished the modules two weeks ago um, or last week. I finished all the modules. 
and the the point of the modules is, is there's like a like an exam at the end of the, all the modules. Um, they decide a four and do. So they recommend going through the modules like three four times before you take the exam. So by the next time I talk to you next, so a week from now, I want to go through all the modules one more time. Um, this time it'll be much more quicker. Uh, so there's nine modules. Just go through all nine. I finished two already. So um, that's my goal. And another goal is I would like to so, – so there's always like a, a business hand and a, and a healing hand when trying to, to have a clinic or start a clinic. Yes, sir. Um, so the business hand – Right now, I guess it's it's on hold because really, I'm just waiting for my license, and then that'll get the ball rolling for me to start. Um, but there is the the question of insurance credentialing and, and things like that. So there is a, I guess a person I can set a call up with. He he's like in a credentialing uh, company. So it's a it's a 30 minute free call just just to talk about I guess credentialing in general. So I want to schedule that on Monday. And get on the phone with him, um, just just to talk about stuff. And if nothing comes out of it, it's okay. But if something does, it's even better. Absolutely. Um, you know, you also let me know how that goes, Bob. I'll be curious. Yeah, yeah. So got those two, um, and those are that's my business hand, and then my healing hand is this module thing. So that's where I'm at for next week. I like and I, I like that visual description of hey, here are the two hands that give to success. Um, I think that's a good visual for all of us. Yep. All right, Nick, anything else you want to add? Bob Chang, we're just making life happen. We're good, dude. All right, perfect. It was always a pleasure. I'll see you next week, Nick.